Well, thank you for tuning back into another episode of Libations for Everyone. Uh, I am the co-host, Mr. Ben Kwam, sitting across from our other co-host, Mr. Charles Awad. What's happening? Uh, this is our podcast where we sip shots, we share thoughts, we have a good time talking to interesting people about what's going on in their world, all while sipping a few shots as we do it. We're trying, to, we're trying to recreate those bar conversations that everybody's missing, the bar conversations that maybe just don't happen as much anymore because you got a lot going on in your world. Uh, it's As Charles would say, it's not uh, an interview. It's a discussion. We're here to just hang out, have a good time. Every 10 minutes, we're going to take another shot, and then we're going to change the topic. Uh, Charles, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm ready to rock. You ready we, got, to... Uh, we got some high-quality beers straight from the tap. They got I will say the beer is high-quality today. Yeah, well... <laughs> This, Before we get to what we're shooting, <laughs> yeah. let's introduce our esteemed guest. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dan and JP. Uh, gentlemen, tell us what's going on and who you are. Hey, hey. Uh, so I'm Dan. I'm one of the owners and chief revenue officer of Falling Knife Brewing Company. Um, we are a relatively new brewery over here in northeast Minneapolis. Just got named uh, City Page's best new brewery this year Hello. in 2021. Woo. So pretty exciting stuff. That was cool to hear. Um, but, you know, just... Plugging along as we can, seeing what we can do to grow as a, as a new brewery. Um, one of those big things is actually one of JP's big initiatives, which was uh, launching cans out into liquor stores. We got some four packs out there of Tall Boys for everybody to enjoy for the time being. And um, yeah, JP, you want to talk about that a little bit? What's happening, everybody? I'm JP. I'm the sales manager here at Falling Knife Brewing. Uh, yeah, uh, um, we're just under a year old. Um, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary uh, next month, and it's been an incredible journey already. Obviously, trying to uh, to grow a brand through a pandemic has been, um, you know, challenging in and of itself. But it's been a it's been a really uh, a, a welcome challenge, um, uh, and it's been it's been uh, really fun. Um, I, I was out of the industry for almost two years, and uh, these guys reeled me back in, and I'm uh, super stoked to be at the brewery. And yeah, I, getting into liquor stores and uh, creating those relationships, and even uh, you know, I already had a lot of, you know, great relationships and created rapport with a lot of awesome people. And I'm just really excited to be back in doing it. And uh, it's been a ton of fun getting our new, you know, tall boys into liquor stores. And for those people that don't know, uh, where are you located? Uh, so we're just east of Stinson and Broadway for our brewery and tap room um, over here in the Mid-City Industrial area of northeast Minneapolis. Literally can't get any more north and east than we are right now in <laughs> yep. Minneapolis. So, uh yeah, we're over here. Um, tap room's open. We're at half capacity right now, and we've got an extended patio. Um, we take all the precautions very seriously. We actually get a good number of reviews that say people are skittish about going out, but they feel comfortable coming here, which I take great pride in after nice. 20 years in the service industry. It's about meeting people where they are. Um, it's a big part of what we're trying to do here. So um, we want people to come in, feel comfortable. And JP, if people are looking for stuff in liquor stores, how, how far is the, the footprint? Like. What, where's a good region to, for people to look? I mean, generally speaking, right now we're in 37 liquor stores um, throughout the metro area. Um, m- many of them are in the Twin Cities, but we, we do have locations outside that 494, you know, 694 loop. Um, so, I mean, you can find us out in Shorewood. You can find us in Blaine. Um, you know, and again, kind of all over the place. But 37 liquor stores right now, um, slowly but surely, we are, you know, growing that footprint. Um, but we're trying to do it at, a, at, at the correct you know, rate. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to ensure that we're we're not trying to, to hurry things or to try to grow too quickly. 
You can depending on when you listen to this, they could be at a liquor store near you. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I was going to say is, you know, you can always check our social media. We tend to be pretty up on where we are. We try to up, update graphics so that people know where they can grab us from our excellent liquor store partners. Yep. That's amazing. All right. Uh, so we are sipping uh, some of the wonderful award-winning beer from this brewery. But we are also going to be taking some shots. This is back-to-back episodes of me getting some bullshit. This is not what I had, ent- <laughs> I had thought about or dreamed about. Well, I got the bullshit this time. <laughs> when, when we were coming up with this. So, uh, I, Charles, I believe this might be your fault. Well, the goal of this podcast was never to drink quality spirits with our friends or just to drink <laughs> spirits with our friends. And it's a lot funnier when you grab some bullshit like screwball, peanut butter, whiskey. So this uh, peanut butter whiskey is a bottle that Mr. Dan Herman, who is joining us today, had in his office for quite some time and would occasionally offer shots that went unclaimed to (laughs) guests. We ended up doing drop shots of this in uh, the first batch of Ghost Step, which is a coffee stout. And it was actually really delicious. I could see that being good. It's kind of sweet. It's a peanut butter whiskey, obviously. But we're just going to be shooting it, so who cares? We're drinking glasses of Tom's. These boys got cans of L-Bombs, delicious double IPA. Mm. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's toast to Butcher and the Boar, local Our- Minneapolis bar and institution that recently closed. They have fine whiskey there. We're drinking bullshit whiskey, but yeah. we're going to cheers it to them anyways. Yeah, serious RIP to them. They were one of the places yeah, that we launched the brand at when we did the world tour. So always have a special place in our heart also. Uh, RIP Rooney. All right, yeah. Rooney, man. Hell Cheers. yeah. Oh, man. I'm first up to bat, and I'm going to get some disclosures out of the way. Falling Knife is a client of mine, so we are professional partners, and I know these guys very well. And JP, the sales manager, is my brother. No what? way. What? No way. That's why we sound so Come similar. on. So <laughs> we don't gonna, sound anything alike. We're going to try to distinguish who is speaking a little better <laughs> in this episode than we ordinarily do. Because, yeah, we sound, we sound a little bit alike, even though he's adopted. Oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, you weren't supposed to tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> also, disclaimer, uh, Ben Kwam and I, about the same size. Yeah, literally. We, <laughs> also brothers. <laughs> Dan and I might look more like brothers than JP and Charles do. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That's legit. Yeah, that's probably yeah. true. Yeah. All right, let's get this ball rolling here. So, first question. <laughs> first question. I know everyone here digs travel, so I'm going to make this kind of specific because we've had travel-based questions in the past. So where is or was your favorite place to travel for beer? I know that we probably as a group don't do that as much as we did at one time because we've all been in and around the beer scene for so long. Uh, But where would you say traditionally has been the city or state or even country that you most like to travel to or used to like traveling to for uh, the pursuit of beer? Yeah, so um, instantly two cities come to mind. Um, One I probably like more for just going there than necessarily specifically for beer. So San Diego is like my favorite place in the world to travel to. It's uh, my sister went to college out there. I went to Arizona State, so it was a very quick drive, probably illegally quick many times uh, (laughs) to get over to to San Diego to see her. Uh, And then since then, couple of my friends from Arizona have moved out there, so I try to go visit them at least once a year. Obviously not this year. That hasn't been a thing, but um, San Diego is always great. You know, Pizza Port, you know, Lost Abbey, Stone, as much as people are up and down on Stone, I still think that that IPA is a, a transcendent beer. So, Absolutely. Um, I like that, but probably if I was going to answer that question, because I specifically have gone and done this, and I think this will be a common city for in, in this conversation, but Denver. Um, I worked for a company out of Denver for a while, so I'd go out there and get to do all the stuff. Like, literally, I'd take the 
the train in from the quote unquote Denver airport, which is like three and a half hours away from Denver, it feels like sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but when they got that light rail in, go there and it's two blocks away from Falling Rock. So I would just get off the train, go there, hit Falling Rock, and then there's a, an arcade next door to it that I would go play pinball in afterwards. Um, but that's it. Uh, I did have a bachelor party out there uh, back in the early aughts or the tens of, of, the, of the 2000s um, where we hit 13 breweries in two and a half days plus put down an entire bottle of rye whiskey. That'll do. Um, yeah, it was, it was rough. It was a real bad, real bad, real wonderful time. So um, that was really cool. I like, got to go hit all the spots, got to go do this. We rented a uh, brewery tour bus out for a day and, and really had a good time with that. So I'd probably answer that with Colorado, but shout out to San Diego. That's one of my favorite places. Also, just a side mention that you threw out, uh, for those of you guys that don't know, Falling Rock is not a brewery. It's an amazing beer bar and literally has legs as long as craft beer has kind of been a thing. Yep. They were kind of the ones that put it really put it on the map in, in Denver, and it still to this day is an absolutely legendary bar. One of the few places that ever and always has gotten Pliny the Elder, and so that was it. I would get off the train, walk up there, walk up and get Pliny, but one time I walked in and the server was literally carrying away the last pint of it, and the guy's like, well, we get more on Tuesday. I'm like, well, I'm only here until Sunday. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, man, they only have like 80 other I know, and it was fine. I was like, all right, let's get a juicy banger from, uh, from Hangar 26, but it was... Total institution. Yep. What about you, JP? Dude, speaking, so just piggybacking what he said, so <clears throat> Falling, Falling Rock is one of my absolute favorite bars in the United States and probably in the world. And um, I think the first time I ever went to Denver was for the Great American Beer Festival with Charles seven, seven years ago now, I think, was the first time we went, seven or eight years ago? Probably eight, maybe and nine years ago. Just the, 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 the spectacle of it. And it's not even just that the Great American Beer Festival is this incredible thing that you get to do and see. But every, all of the events and all of the beer tappings and everything that you get to take part in outside of that at all the different bars all throughout the, you know, the Denver area are just incredible. Um, but I remember, like, speaking of <laughs> Planning the Elder, um, I went there uh, to Falling Rock, I think it was like five years ago, and obviously everything's in a, in a plastic cup, like this, you know, the, the transparent solo cups. <laughs> I had a pint of Planning <laughs> the Elder in one hand and Blind Pig in the other hand from Russian River. It was one of the funniest fucking things of all time. Like, I set them down. I'm like, this is the funniest thing, dude. Because if you were talking to, like, hardcore beer geeks, uh -huh. they'd be like, you drink them out of a fucking plastic cup? And it's like, yeah, but if you understood where we were and why it had to happen, you wouldn't be saying this. Right. But it was just really funny. Because I remember there was a time where, you know, Charles and I were hardcore, like, you know, this should be in a Pilsner glass. This should be in this particular glass. This should be in this glass. It just better you know, not like, be in a tulip glass, right, Charles? Oh, yeah. That was such a specific <laughs> scenario. I don't even remember that story. That's how you know I was right. drunk. Yeah, you're too drunk, man. You probably back know what's going on. Yeah. It, it should be in my belly. That's how I feel about yeah. beer. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, I digress. Uh, for, for me, uh, I, you know, after you said it, it made me realize, holy shit, for me, it's Denver. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, actually, we, Charles and I were, and a few other friends were supposed to go to Denver at the beginning of, excuse me, at the beginning of May, and it didn't work out due to, obviously, COVID. Um, but every time I go to Denver, it's, I fall back in love with it over and over again like it's just such an incredible city um it's grown exponentially even in the last 10 15 years i mean if you went there five years ago even to now you wouldn't recognize it because so much has happened and so much you know it's grown so much but there's just so many great breweries established breweries that were huge even 10 years ago when you know most people weren't even 21 and able to drink beer yet um but there's so many great places to go drink beer there there's so many great bars beer bars obviously falling rock is one of them um and there's so many others um but I also had a really good time in Maine, um, you know, going to Trillium, which for a lot of I'm people so is like jealous. the whole is like the holy grail. Uh, 
getting to it at Trillium was incredible. Uh, Maine Beer Company. Um, if you don't know about their mission and how they do business, uh, read up on them. Um, they are, I think, the blueprint for how any brewery should be run in the United States. Um, they give so much back, and they take care of their employees, and that means a lot to me. Um, and I think I just love what they do. And one of my best friends was a sales manager there for a few years before working together, actually, uh, prior, prior to this, about three four years ago, we worked together at Insight Brewing Company uh, down the street. And uh, I got to go there and s- spend some time there, and it's just that's an incredible city, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, state. And I was particularly in Portland. And Portland is just this beautiful, beautiful city right on the water, um, and it's just, for me, it's a lot about the surroundings just as much as it is about the breweries and, uh, and what you're drinking. Um, but yeah, you know, Trillium, Bissell Brothers, um, you know, Treehouse, uh, down the way. Treehouse is great. Yeah, yeah. Just a lot of really, a lot of really cool stuff going on there. Um, and, uh, Navari Res is one of the best beer bars in that, in that state, in probably that entire region in Portland, Maine. Uh, and my friend Christina turned me onto it and it's just just this awesome place they do a lot of belgians and a lot of really awesome uh tappings and things along the lines of what you know falling rock does in, in denver but um yeah there's lots of places i'd love to go obviously belgium is a place i think a lot of people would love to go um uh just because of the history you know and what it means <laughs> to beer all together yeah you know came from totally so anyway charles yeah i mean there's a lot of correct answers to this question denver would have probably been my first choice too just because of the GABF week and what that means to me and having gone there for so many years in a row and um, what the funk happening the night prior and all the ancillary events. And the interesting thing is, even though that was my answer, I like the food scene in Denver better than I like the beer scene. Mm. So technically it's a disingenuous question unless you're talking about GABF week itself. Uh, even though it is a great beer town, it's just I like the food scene there so much. I think to vary, because San Diego would be another answer of mine. I love San Diego. I was, that was the last beer trip I went on was with Splinter to San Diego Beer Week. I suppose my answer would be Madison because Great Taste of the Midwest is yeah. my favorite beer festival in the world. And I've been to most of, I've been to almost every major US beer festival. That one is just absolutely fantastic. In Olin Park, you're right on the waterfront, tons of great breweries. Uh, they always bring their best beers. There's so many tap takeovers happening. Every bar is doing side projects, central waters. Like it's, it's an unending torrent. Mm-hmm of incredible tap takeovers with the who's who of people that run these breweries and brew at these breweries. And that's sort of irreplaceable, even though ordinarily Madison's a fine beer town, Mm -hmm. but that week is, it it rivals GABF. And I don't think a lot of people realize just what a big deal that week is. It's incredible. Even if you can't get a ticket, it's still worth going because of what you're talking about. The the night before, Mm -hmm. uh, John Quast, who's a good friend of mine, he's a local, local distributor rep. He, he, told me before I went to that for the first time, he's like, listen, you can only lose great taste on Friday. Yeah, that's legit. There's, there's no winning it on Friday. <laughs> you can only lose it. And I've certainly, <laughs> you, you know people that like go to it and they just get trashed on Friday Ruined and don't week. actually go to the festival yeah. because they're, they're laying too... in the grass before the gates open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, no, so. I've had friends come with us that are still looking for a ticket. Who we're standing in line and they're walking around begging people like, "Do you have yeah. an extra?" Because yep. it's a very, it was always a very difficult to get ticket. I used to have to mail a check. This is how long I've been going on this thing. I, I doubt they do anything like this anymore because uh, I haven't gone in a couple of years. But I used to mail in a check, and you would self-address it obviously, and write down your information 
and then you have your return address on the envelope itself. Yep. If you got a ticket, they'd cash the check and they'd send you your tickets. If you didn't, they'd rip up your check. It's pretty old school. Uh, no one even do that right now. And MHBA, the Minnesota Homebrewers Association, they had some sort of deal where like they were able to get tickets for members. So that's how I was going to go. Oh shit! <laughs> this is our alarm. Are we supposed to put our hands up? No one can see it. <laughs> I'm just We're trying to find something that's are... not going to scare everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, it, yeah, get your hands up. This will scare anybody. Come on. Quam, answer the question. <laughs> well, I mean, all the cool answers are already taken. I 100% would have said Denver first. Uh, shout out to the homies at True and at Great Divide who have been such incredible hosts when I've been out there before. They're just great people. Brost, uh, was my that was my first time going this summer. Yeah, Again, man. just incredible dedication to the craft and the tradition, which yeah. I thought was wonderful. Uh, San Diego's great. Uh, we were hoping to go up to New England this fall, and obviously that's not going to happen. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit uh, off the book, and I'm going to say uh, Reykjavik, Iceland. Um, beer was illegal. The beer so because the Brennevin and vodka and gin families had so much of a hold on Congress in Iceland, beer was illegal until the 80s. So you have right now this beautiful beer scene in its infancy that's just getting going. So there's no one, no one's been doing it forever and then wants to pish posh everything that everybody's doing. Yep. It's a bunch of young people that are just figuring it out for the first time. And when my wife and I were there, we got to literally go to the first craft beer bar in Iceland. And it was still like brand new and modern. And seeing what people are doing with no preconceptions of what is cool and what you're supposed to be doing, yeah. just some dudes on an island trying to make cool things, that was really refreshing. Like hearing everybody talking about if you make beer, you're all in the same group. You're all working together. You're all working to support each other. Like it kind of made me realize, wow, we, uh, we've kind of gotten away from that. And wouldn't it be cool if we could bring that back? Yeah. So, uh, be, uh, so you speaking of Reykjavik, me and a bunch of friends after high school were like, should we all you know, not go to directly to college? And go move to Iceland and go live in Iceland because I was super into cigarettes and I was like, I'm so, like, oh I, I mean, whatever. I'm an That's 18 awesome. year old shithead like we all probably were, and I was just like, <laughs> Iceland sounds awesome, yeah. Bjork and and cigarettes and like, there's you know all the volcano. Yeah, I can hang out with a monkey in a in a, yeah. in a in a natural hot tub. That sounds totally rad. And then I was like, oh right, now I'm gonna learn what like a work visa is, and they do not give those to 18 year old shitheads. No. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need more tall white dudes. They learn their lesson. <laughs> There's something to be said for like the innocence of a, a newly gestating craft beer scene. Yeah. When I was in Santiago in 2015, judging in the South American Beer Championships, that scene was like so pure and innocent. They were just like, "We just want to make a good West Coast IPA. We don't get the best yeast. Do you know like any connects?" Like they were like so into just getting it right. Yeah. And it reminded me of like you know this is 2015, but it reminded me of like six seven years prior when it wasn't such a rat race here and everybody just wanted to like. They just wanted camaraderie, and, and they just wanted to brew beer, and they wanted to drink beer with their friends, and that's what it was all about. And I remember, like, those days when it was just all about sitting down, drinking beers with your buddies, and the competitive nature of, of what we have now, because it's a highly competitive marketplace, was absent. It was like we had found out about these cool vans before they blew up. Oh and now, <laughs> and now, now what we have is, like, 1994 grunge. Where like candle boxes showed up and like Creed is forming and you could already see, you know, the scene is shifting. And I'm hoping that the same pattern will follow and that, you know, five or six years from now, 
we'll still have the people that are making really good stuff will continue to make really good stuff and we can kind of progress from there. But uh, we have shots in front of us. Sweet. Cheers to that. I had just stopped tasting peanut butter, so that means it must be time to taste it must be time for more peanut, peanut butter. butter. Uh, I'm going to cheers you two from afar because in Electronics Corner, there's no way I won't spill. <laughs> I'll qualm it up as Dan said. You be air cheersing anyways for most of these anyways. <laughs> cool. All right. To pivot completely to the opposite direction. Uh, I was walking out of my house this weekend, and uh, I had a, a set of corded headphones on, which is actually kind of rare nowadays. And I caught them on my railing, and pulling headphones out of my ears, like when I'm mowing the lawn or whatever, is I get insanely, irrationally, like hilariously angry for like 10 seconds. I lose my shit. Like, it looks like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm actually that angry for just a hot second. And I don't know what it is. There's, like, there's no childhood trauma that calls back to that. It just makes me livid. So you look it, like that dude who, like, that, that, what appears to me to be a fake video of that dude who, like, slips for, like, half an hour while he's <clears throat> uh, shoveling? It's a, mixture, yeah. it's a mixture of that and Abraham Simpson in the paper, angry old man sh- uh, shouts at cloud. Shouts cloud. That was me. Like, I don't know who to, bl- it's me that's to blame, but I can't, I don't know whatever it is. So I was wondering, is there anything in your lives that makes you hilariously, irrationally angry? Like not like a societal ill that we should all be no. mad about. I'm talking about like something dumb where you just fucking lose it. Literally does not mean figuratively figuratively and literate literally i hate that literally now is in the dictionary as that my other one topical means applied to skin yes it does not mean on topic those are different things so i've got a couple of those that are just like minor grammar ones i'm sure i've got other things that i'm just gonna be like nomenclature baby son of yeah and, I, and that's it you, you everybody knows what you mean but just in my heart i just chew down on this little bit of it that's like you're you're fuck you using literally acrylic incorrectly is a lot weirder for sure have you been able to let go of irregardless because i finally in 2020 i finally had to let that go irregardless of whether or not that's a word yeah yeah i mean there's all of those there's you know there's necessary syllables yeah there's a whole bunch of them and it's fine it's like all right uh i think of it in it so i worked at a kincaid's down in phoenix um for a bit there and one guy asked for a blue well done steak (laughs) and i was like you don't know what one of those words means (laughs) Like there's, there's one of those two is a word you don't know what that is. So I just figured it's somebody like trying to use a word that they didn't really ever go in on and it, good for them for trying. But that, let's that dude back. was trying to get a free steak. Yeah. No, he that, was just going to tell you he ordered the other one after he's yeah, done eating. No, the, no, that guy, that guy was trying to show it's off to, to some clients point. and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't know what was going on. There. And let so, me get a Grey Goose and vodka. Right. Exactly. Exactly. For free. So that, I mean, that's the one that comes to mind. Right. So it's grammar. Grammar stuff. Some of that. Just the literal thing, yeah. Like in pro wrestling, there was a joke for many years that uh, Gorilla Monsoon said on a broadcast <laughs> in the 80s. Where he literally, literally tore his head off. <laughs> like, fuck no, he didn't. Yeah. But now they say it all the time. Yeah, he should be going to prison if that's true. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty sure he's intact. Did, did we have a murder? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? No, he looks fine to me. Uh, JP, what about you, man? Uh, dude, oh, man. Um, my big thing is when uh, it's completely my fault. But when I, like, stub a toe or hit my knuckle or have, like, an inanimate object knock my hat off. <laughs> oh, I'm with you on the hat thing. Like, I lose it. Like, like if I'm in my car, you. for example, I wear a hat everywhere. I'm wearing a hat right now. I'm always wearing a hat. Most people don't even know what my head looks like. Um, but, like, if I'm in my car and I turn my head to see if, you know, as I'm, like, you know, it's an on-ramp and I'm getting out of the highway. 
if I'm getting out of the highway and I turn my head and I hit my head, I hit the bill of my hat on the, you know, the, the, the roof of my car, excuse me, the, the ceiling of my car and my hat gets pushed to the side or cocked to the side, I get so ridiculously <laughs> angry. It's ridiculous. Do you flop it's, like Chris Paul? You're just like, oh. <laughs> oh, he was a flopper in basketball, by the way. I call oh, him. I was a huge <laughs> flopper, dude. I, w- I was LeBron. I was LeBron, man. He was a major flopper. I was, I was, He's good at it, though. Yeah, did you get those calls? Good. See, I was good at following I people never without got the calls. anybody seeing oh. it. And I was the no, he did get. He didn't always get them, but he'd get them sometimes. Yeah, I was good at following people without getting caught for it, and he was pretty good at flopping. <laughs> my bo- my boy, my He's boy, the soccer fan, so I guess it makes sense. My boy Eric uh, was similarly shaped to you and I, and uh, he was pretty good with his left hand, and he perfected in high school the switch to the left hand layup, and he'd slap his forearm when he was going up, and he would get the call like a third of the time because officials would just hear the contact. Would he yell he, hey? No, he would just come down and be like. <laughs> Every time, like, what? And he'd get the call sometimes. It was so amazing. That's like like the offensive version of what I would do on defense. I'd use my left hand to grab the jersey or shorts, and I'd jump up with my right hand. Oh, that's they'd be dirty. watching the they'd be watching the ball hand. Yeah, it's dirty, like, man. Fall, fall. The one the one for <laughs> me always though is like just because I am a, a qualm sized human being, like a block charge is really hard to read when the other person falls down, even though you were in position. I was like, just so we're clear. That was a charge. It just didn't affect me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you care to divulge how big you are, though? I mean, uh, six seven, two hundred eighty pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> six five and a half and about two eighty five. Yeah. We are big beardy. Good tag team. Good tag team. I thought JP was going to tell a different story because he told me earlier about how this cat invaded his yard and he chased it out of the yard. Yeah, but I, that's an anomaly. Like, <laughs> no, so, I know. It's, I just thought it was hilarious. He said, "So la- literally yesterday." Up. Literally last night, <laughs> yesterday night, I'm lying on the couch with, I, we have two cats, Raphael and Donatello, they're brothers from the same litter, and, and Raphael is lying on, he's laying on my chest, and I'm lying down and I'm watching TV, and they, we do not declare, declare, excuse me, declare our, our cats, and uh, so he's laying on me, he's doing his thing, and all of a sudden I hear this, you know, thud outside. And we have two cat trees, and one of the cat trees is right in front of a window. And I hear this thud, and Donnie is the one that's in the cat tree, and he just immediately jumps out of the tree, and it scares the shit out of Raphael. And Raphael decides, holy fuck, I'm going to lose control of my body. And he tears up, like, check this shit out. Tore oh, up my chest. JP's going topless. And, oh, yeah. And that is... And tore, like, tore, looks like you got so that slap badly. fight with Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. Tore me up and, like, flopped out of my like out of my lap. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I turn and look out this bay window, and there's a cat on the, like, the windowsill outside staring at Donnie. And Donnie starts doing the crazy, like, wow, wow, wow. You know, like, weird, crazy cat meow thing. Yeah. And I get fucking... I, I rate like I lost my shit. I saw red, and I love cats. I love animals. I swung the front door open, and I chased this motherfucker down the street. <laughs> like I chased this cat down the street because my cats are like my children. And I was so fucking mad at this cat for scaring my cat. It wasn't about me getting torn up by one of like one of my cats. Yeah. It was that th- it scared my cats that I got so mad that I fucking How chased dare them. You. Yeah. Did yeah, you ask ridiculous. to talk to the manager after that? Yeah. Jesus. That cat probably did. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So that was, that was fun. I also have a, a healthy amount. I don't have road rage. I'm a pretty chill guy when it comes to the car. But I do have um, people 
either A, that are in the left lane and don't turn their blinker on until after the light is yes. red. Because I'll move, I'll move over to the right, so I know. Uh, and then also the people that they're going to be turning left and the light turns yellow and then the light turns red and then they don't go. Yep. I hate that. Yes. Pull, pull, pull into the intersection. Yeah. That's the one for me. And then go. I'm a big "Are you fucking kidding me?" guy in the car. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking serious? Are you fucking kidding? Me? Are you fucking serious, are you serious man? It, it's the Carlin thing, right? Everybody in front of you is a maniac. Every or everybody behind you is a maniac. Everybody in front of you is uh, a, you know an idiot. Shit. <laughs> I agree. It's so like it, it's so funny because in the car, I, for some reason, it just makes me even realize how 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 futile my anger is. Yeah. Because the only person that can hear me yelling is me, and then like, what am I gonna do? Right. Am I going to follow that guy? And Raising like, your blood pressure that for is no a big self embarrassment thing. Yeah. When you think about it, like outside looking in, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Getting? I'm basically <laughs> just being like, oh yeah? Oh yeah? It's totally Thump, Punch myself in the nuts. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing I'm doing. Do I kill my, someone else by poisoning yourself? Yeah. <laughs> my wife is like the sweetest human being I know, and she is a uh, uh, involuntary car flipper offer. She'll just be like finger to everybody anytime <laughs> anything happens, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like, she's like, "Whoa, whatever." I'm like, "Do at least do it below the dash, right?" Because like, we know who's going to have to settle that. <laughs> yeah, fight. exactly. Yeah, that runs in my family. I'm the only one who doesn't flick anybody off from the car. I actually. don't. I I never do. I mean, I'll, I'm I'm definitely with you guys. Where I'm like, "Are you fucking serious right now? What the uh, fuck are you doing?" I'm fl- I'm getting older off. brother eyes right now. No, no, no. I don't I don't flick people off. Yeah, I don't, I don't honk my wife. I don't flick anybody off. I don't honk my car horn either, ever. I'm never oh, like, oh, yeah. I'm just like, it's a little on the stoplight, like, boop. Like Mitch yep. Hedberg says, yep. yeah, yep. if they limited honks, you'd be like, yeah. I wish I didn't honk at Richard. <laughs> Was it Richard? I but I am, I am, Ricky. But it's like, Ricky I am too. curious because I feel, I feel like as, tech, as technologically advanced as I believe, like, you know, Mercedes and Jaguar and, Merce- and, uh, and BMWs in particular are, that they don't come with signals on them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I don't yeah, know that nope. I don't know that I've ever seen one of those cars put a signal on. They just turn wherever. Yeah, good on them, man. <laughs> yeah, Charles. Oh, my answer is uh, medical in nature. This is going to be a PSA. I have a condition called misophonia, so oh. sounds really bother me, mm. like especially arrhythmic sounds. So nail clipping, uh, humming, humming's awful. So anything arrhythmic, like if someone's like tapping their foot on the floor on another on another level of like an office building you're in or something, see that's that's bothering me. It's gonna be so much so, funnier on the yeah, podcast it's, too. It's uh yeah, it's a it's a real it's a real thing, and I it is real. I've helped people diagnose it. I think JP has it a little bit too. I, mine can be pretty extreme. Like where I, I 150 like, have it. I have to like lock my. I like have to run the shower or something just to hear anything else other than the thing that's really bugging me. It could be problematic in relationships too, where I'm like, "Hey, so I'm having this really averse reaction where like I'm not even drawing full breaths because of the sound that you're making. How can how can we navigate this? Because it always seems rude. There's no nice way no. to say like, "Hey, can you not hum because you really love the song you heard earlier today? Because it's bothering me." It always comes up like an <laughs> asshole, but I do have like an actual like biological response that makes me like unable to control my emotions. My uh, my ADHD. One of the one of the very, very common expressions of it is irritation for loud, repeated noises. So mine is, is similar but opposite in its nature in that it's still a, a noise I can't control, but it's, it's rhythmic. It can be rhythmic. Yeah, like right. like a, um, I had a really tough time. For a long time, I did booking for live music and drum check. Oh, like, that's what I thought of immediately. And this <laughs> is some of my like, closest friends. Jesus. I would literally have to leave the room. 
And I would be like, I got it as close as I can. I can't do this. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you've been playing that snare for four minutes, and yes. I'm fantasizing about stabbing you in the <laughs> eye with your drumstick, and it's not because of, you're doing it right. I'm just so mad. I'm so mad, and there's nothing that I can oh, do. You're doing about. such a great job. I want to murder you. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, dude. Like, I, oh, shit. It's that time again. Put your hands up. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like club club <laughs> club libations for everyone. Yeah. Of all the episodes so far, I think this is my favorite. Whatever siren, what, do you mean? I guess what would you call it? Uh, alarm. The, I, yeah. I went on a date one time with a woman where she was like, "I can't like the moving of uh, silverware on a plate was Ooh. basically this for her." And I was like, "Well, this is going to be a problem, and I don't think that we should do this because like." Going out to restaurants is one of my favorite things. So if this is going to be a thing that you cannot do, then I'm probably not the right fit for, yes, for that's, this relationship. That's the same reaction that a lot of people have that have the scratchboard, the, the chalkboard effect. Yeah. Like those types of sounds. I have a thing with textures too. Like the thing on top of this mic I can't touch and certain fabrics of sweaters. We were talking about this wool. early episode with Barb. Wool. I can't touch certain, yeah, wool. Like if my wife doesn't want me to get near her, she just wears a wool sweater. Like, okay, cool. I get it. I can take a hint. Yep. I'm coming nowhere near you until you remove that sweater. I, uh, <clears throat> and then I'm getting real close. Honey. I briefly, oh, yeah. I briefly dated a woman in my early twenties, and uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's the sound of other people chewing, lip smacking. Um, I mean, no, but there's like a, there's an oh, actual name an for actual it for it. like okay. like just the sound of other people chewing drives you crazy. It's a big one for misophonia though, like open mouth chomping. And maybe it's Awful. just maybe it is misophonia because that actually sounded familiar when you said levels. it. It's misophonia, but um, at the different levels. I didn't know it, you know, because we had like gone to bars and stuff, and you can't really hear it. And we we had met in the bar, and it was very much like a, a bar fueled romance, if you will. And we went to a movie on a date, and like 30 minutes in, she's like, "We have to go." I'm like, wait, what? She goes, there's too many people eating popcorn. Oh, and yeah. I didn't know this yet. And I'm like, I need you to explain to me why there's too many people eating popcorn and why we picked a movie. Like, to me, those are <laughs> you're just you're signing that contract. That's, that's misophonia. I've left from people who eat popcorn too loudly. Not, not the chewing, but the rustling. <laughs> yeah, like just not... Like, dude, just grab some pieces. You don't have to mix it each time you grab a piece. Like, Again, like, what, what were you? But what were you expecting, Quam? Like that her dad choked on a piece of popcorn, and like that was her. That was her thing. No, She's no. like, I fucking hate popcorn. It killed my father. I didn't realize it was the sound. I thought she had like counted that there were too many people in a theater that were eating popcorn, and it was like a superstition thing because she didn't oh, say it was the sound of it. Rustling. She but, just said there's too okay. many people so eating no popcorn. We have to go. <laughs> And I was what? I, like, I'm like, do you have like a seven people tops? Like, and then when she explained it, I'm like, that must be horrible. I, I'm so sorry that you suggested a movie. Why did we do yeah, that? Okay. You know, like if I was vehemently against exhaust, I wouldn't say let's go go-karting. Right. Yeah. I, but hey, good on you. I mean, thanks for going on a date with what me. What movie was it? Uh, I want to say it was like one of the early Fast and the Furious because we wanted, we had had some drinks and we wanted to go giggle at something. It was the League of Extraordinary no, Gentlemen, bad. wasn't it? Yeah. No, I think it was. You f- want to say it was something that cool, but no, it was Ever After with Drew Barrymore. I wasn't think it, it was like Tokyo Drift, Chocolat. Oh, because I remember I had had, I actually loved Chocolat <laughs> <laughs> so much that I fell asleep on a date in the theater during that movie. Yes, oh, that's delightful. There's nothing like being woken up by a person that you're on a, like a second date with. <laughs> But it turns out doing a clopin into a movie is not a great way to, no. to go on a date. No. But the movie I walked out of was End of Days. That's how loud that guy was with the popcorn. <laughs> but at least it was a terrible movie. This is End of Days. Cheers, dudes. To Screwball. Clink, clink, Cheers, clink. Here's to Arnold.
Oh, man. It's still just more peanut buttery. Do you oh, wish your mouth here. was numb, Quam? You know, I don't even know. I feel like <laughs> sometimes I feel like the self-flagellation of like, you did this to yourself. Yeah. You decided to do this. This shit tastes like corn pops. It doesn't even taste like peanut butter. No. This tastes like corn pops to you? Yeah. Oh, I don't get that. I don't get that either. Well, that's where you're wrong. I get the, you know what it is? It's, <laughs> it's, it's the weird wax paper wrapped candies that yeah. like the grandmothers on the oh, block yeah, used to give out. That's what it tastes like pops. to me. Do you me. remember how sweet corn pops were? It was like super sugary, but I like never got, so neutral. I never had like sugar so cereals sweet. as a kid. Great. Well, I don't, let's move along. I missed all that. We'll get you some. We'll get you some for next episode. <laughs> Thanks, bud. We'll get a bowl of whiskey with corn pops <laughs> in it. It'll taste just like this. Let's randle some whiskey with corn pops. I bet it tastes like this fucking I'm into ball. it. <laughs> all right, guys. Question three. So we did talk about nicknames when we had Judy Fratsky on a couple episodes back. Uh, this one's a little more personal. I know we all are pet folks. We all have multiple pets, actually. Cat dog, cat dog, cat dog. JP has two cats. Let's be honest here. Embarrassing nicknames you call your pets when no one else is around. And listeners, don't fucking lie. Everybody does this. Everybody has Everybody's them. got embarrassing nicknames they don't want anyone else to hear. Now we're admitting them on the air. So let's have it. Uh, so my dog is named LeBron James Chewbacca Herman. I got her at a house party 12 years ago. Um, oh, pause. Explain. <laughs> Awesome. You can't just slough that line off and pretend uh, that that's a sequitur. So, uh, my, my yeah, hot handed dice, yeah. clackety clackety clack. It was, uh, it was a, a friend's birthday party, and our other friend had just gotten a companion dog for his existent dog and was like, Why is this dog getting fatter? And it was like the dog was pregnant. So instead of growing his family by one, he grew it by five. Wow. So he had four puppies that he was looking to get rid of. So he brought them to this birthday party. And Brown Dog, which was what it was called, now called LeBron James Chewbacca Herman, uh, was there. And I had, like, seen it on Facebook. And I was like, you know, I'm 24 now. I've been trying to talk myself out of getting a dog for five years. I've got a stable place to be. I've got employment. Like, fuck it. Let's do this. And I called my landlord and said, like, hey, do I have a dog clause? He's like, well, if it destroys anything, you got to pay for it. And I was like, cool. So I... I took that dog home and then I realized I was like, I have no plan for what to do with this dog right now. I don't have a kennel. I don't have any of this. Um, so Bron spent her first night in, uh, in a laundry basket and that's where we learned that she could jump onto the bed out of the laundry basket. I mean, she was a little tiny. I mean, she's a 13 pound dog now. So was she LeBron <laughs> before or after jumping out of the laundry basket all the way onto the bed? Uh, it was already named LeBron by the time Dude, I got home. Yeah. Living up to the crowd. Yep. yep. So she's so, tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she is. She's she's an athlete, elite leaping skill. Yeah, uh, also freakishly long tongue. Like she'll get you like an alien from from the Ridley Scott films. She's like, uh, really get all I can picture is, is her making that jump and then Kevin Harlan from TNT just throwing the door, but yeah. being like, yeah. no, regard regard from, no regard <laughs> yeah. for human. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the chase down block, just fucking oh rocking it. Yeah. God, hard. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, so that that's uh, that's the story of how I ended up with LeBron James Chewbacca Herman awesome. from a house party, uh, and then not I mean, a cutesy nickname. I, I call her anything. Uh, I mean, Bron Bron obviously is the big one, but mm-hmm. if you use it with the right inflection, and a dog is gonna be like, "Well, fuck, that's awesome." So I call her shit brick a lot, like just ah fucking shit brick, you know? Because <laughs> and I say it in like in a, in a way that she's like, "Oh shit, that's awesome." And then <laughs> our cat uh, is boy named Sue. So I've got a girl dog named LeBron James Chewbacca Herman. My wife has a, a, a cat 
who is the boy named Sue. It's a boy. That's so, so awesome. Uh, Andy, CEO of, of Falling Knife, one of my business partners, when I started dating Catherine, he's like, wait a minute. So you have a boy cat named Sue, and you have a girl dog named LeBron. You guys are so cute. Me, you make me want to throw up. Which <laughs> that's really, really wonderful. So that shit brick is probably the one that I would go to. That's awesome. That is totally not something I'd expect Andy to say either. Right. That's awesome. Uh, there were libations for everyone that day. Yeah, I guess so. So <laughs> JP, come on. Yeah, what JP, what names? you got? So you got Donatello. I don't even know these. Donatello and Raphael. Uh, dude, I like I baby talk the hell out of my cats. I, anyone who says they don't baby talk their animals is a, is a fucking liar mm-hmm. or a sociopath. Yes. And uh, oh my god, I there's a laundry list of them, man. I, don't, I hate when I get put on the spot to be asked like we'll you buy know, time. A, a list of things and I like, can't think of them. But we'll buy you time. We call Donnie. Uh, we call Donnie Don Don Widow Don Don. Okay, that's, little. that's embarrassing. There you go. Widow okay. Don Don. Okay. Uh, <laughs> down, down. Lately, uh, Kelsey's <laughs> been calling. Uh, so I always do this thing where I'm like, uh, I'll be like, I don't even know. Kelsey started. My wife started calling Donnie Little Donio. She's like Widow Donio, and I don't know where it came from, but Donio is one of them. Okay. Yeah, we call Raff. We call Raff Raff Raff. Dude, usually the weirdest ones materialize out of thin air. They don't. Make oh my any god, one hundred percent. But we have all kinds of names for our cats. We we love those guys. We do anything for them. I mean, they're like our children. So <laughs> we have all kinds of weird names we call them. Like we, we baby talk them all the time. It's ridiculous. They're let's, really. Yeah, well I'm gonna, let's move on to Quam because I bet you'll think of some more. I'm gonna give you some time to matriculate yeah. over there. Yeah. There. I, uh, so previously to me being with my amazing wife Jenny. Um, the, the dog that I grew up with was Thor, who then became Thorvald, who then evolved into Thorvald the Wonder Dog, who then had a song that was Thorvald the Wonder Dog, he <laughs> runs across the backyard. And that was like, I mean, my neighbors had to have heard that goddamn song so many times and probably thought it was from like a cartoon. Nope, that's just me <laughs> running around the backyard making up songs about my puppy. But as an adult, uh, I sort of adopt because Jenny is just like a nickname machine with the pets and I kind of just adopt it from her until I see my friend's face when they see me saying that so our cat Harold uh, is a 16 and a half pound orange tabby who when he sleeps he goes into a little ball and kind of looks like the boot chicken nugget so then he became chicken nugget so then I'll be like, hey, Chicken Nugget, come over here. And then I'll look up and my friends are just staring at me. And I'm like, eh, okay, <laughs> right, that's weird. Sorry. Uh, when I go downstairs to like play video games or whatever, the basement is too cold for our dog. So the cat, that's his whole reign. So then it's just Nugs. Just me and Nugs. Like, what up, Nugs? Come on up here, Nugs. And I'm just like mortified that Jenny's going to hear me saying it just that. Brings, it just okay. brings you back to high school smoking up them Nugs. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You, still hide, you still hide your baby talk from the wife? Uh, no, with Millie, I do like, hey girl, oh, who's being a naughty girl? I do, I do the naughty girl a lot. Everybody does. Yeah, she's uh, Millie, Millifred, Millicent, uh, all of those things. And then at the end of the day, it's always just, girl, hey girl. There's some amount of, for me also, just like, hey, Bron, shut the fuck up. Uh, LeBron LeBron talks a lot. She's a she's a she's a oh, mouth, I know. she's a mouthy lady. Uh, yeah. We have had a lot of conversations. Oh yeah, she'll, she'll let you know her opinion about anything. Mm-hmm. The more I have to drink, the more she's got to say. It's weird. It's like <laughs> yeah. I'm a captive audience. Yeah, <laughs> Charles. Well, we just got the pupper. Oh my god, is he know. cute? By the way, for all of our listeners, I just met this puppy, and holy fuck, is he even cuter than the pictures? Yeah, oh. he's cute ninety percent of the time, and. Uh, 
batshit crazy little psychopath the other 10% of the time. Welcome but he's a puppy. having a dog. Also true so he's JP. only got cool nicknames. Correct. What's that? I said also true of JP. Yep. <laughs> right. Cute 90% of the time. <laughs> that's, I guess that's why we're cute. 10% of the time. Are you still shitting on the floor? Shh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so Bogey, Bogey's only got cool nicknames. His name's Bogey. So like he has a tendency to chase people. You know, there's a Bogey on your tail. And uh, Muggsy Bogues is my favorite one. Always. Of course. Come on. So I got a basketball player too. Less well known. Sparely than LeBron James. The cat's the one that I have like a million nicknames for. I've had him for nine years as of this month. And ever since he was like a tiny baby. And Shitbird is a nickname I have for him. Been calling him Shitbird there his whole is. life. There it he is. He chirps sometimes at birds. Like it's almost like he's trying to call to them. Like <laughs> he does that, so I call him Shitbird. Uh, but he's got a lot of embarrassing nicknames. The Ruckster, Rucky. Okay, here are, the, here are the super embarrassing ones. I don't admit this to anybody. Are you reading a list? Yeah, I was able to. Oh. Hold on. You can't say that on a podcast. <laughs> I have a laptop in front of me. Well, I don't know. I don't, don't care ruin about that. the magic. I, I saw you looking down. I, I didn't know. Yeah, Ladies don't... and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Behind the don't, Curtain. Don't, yeah, there's, we got this guy over here spoiling the magic of the podcast. Yeah, so the super embarrassing ones, the super embarrassing ones are more embarrassing with inflection, and I have no fucking idea where any of them came from. Yes. There's three of them. One of them's Bubbo. I don't know why I started calling him Bubbo. What's the inflection? Bubbo. What are you doing over there? Dude, I didn't know you call him Bubbo. I'm no your one brother. knows. These are the embarrassing nicknames, and not even Marnie hears. <laughs> Crazy. Like, Marnie heard me baby talking Bogey, and she was like, What was that voice? And I'm like, Lady, I've been doing that voice my whole life. <laughs> it's just not in front of you, apparently. <laughs> like, she leaves the house, and it's just me and Lucky. Yeah. And it is either terrifying or adorable, or some combination there, Ryan. Uh, so, Bubbo, terrible. Kitty Man, terrible. And then uh, Monkey Boy. Is oh, yeah. Name. I call him Monkey Boy. That's, that's legit. Yeah. I, uh, I should also admit, this isn't a nickname, but I should also admit that in the, uh, the I guess, the flip side of the coin to the baby talk thing, and I just accidentally... <laughs> I just accidentally... It's appropriate after the dead silence of me reading my terrible nicknames uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, Should have been crickets. I just accidentally let this accent go uh, with my youngest nephew up at the cabin this weekend. Oh. And now I think I'm going to have to do this as a thing going forward. But um, Millie in the morning after Jenny starts work. Millie in the morning. Millie in the morning. And we're back. <laughs> uh, Millie loves to wrestle in the morning. Like she literally wrestles me. Fuck, like yeah. we literally wrestle like hardcore scratches down my arms. We wrestle and it's her favorite thing. And I've started doing a Macho Man Randy Savage impression while we're wrestling. And we had... I, it's pretty good. Dude, I had, <laughs> among our rankings, your probably was a bad this is impersonation. A, it's a episode. better bad act. That's number one. That's number one so far. But uh, so <laughs> I would do that. I would narrate Macho Man while we were wrestling. And then um, on Saturday night up at the cabin, uh, my nephew, who is six, was like, Uncle Ben. Wrestle, and I don't know. Like I was on my knees, and we were kind of wrestling, and he was giggling and like trying to tell me what he was gonna like do to me, and I was like, "You power bombed him through a table." Didn't well, you? I was like, "Macho man doesn't care too much for the way that you're talking to me right now, but I'm gonna tell you, I'll pick you up with these 24 inch pythons." And I and I literally picked him up and I held him against the stucco ceiling, and I was like, "I won't put you through the floor. I'll put you through the ceiling." 
And then I looked around and the whole family was watching me. And the only thing that saved me was that he was giggling his ass off. So it was like I super fun. So. <laughs> and then, but then I realized like, oh, you can't do that to a six-year-old because now that's a thing. Right. So like, step away from the child. <laughs> I'm now stuck with the macho man wrestle thing until he gets bored of it. So I got at least probably two years. No, of, he's not going to get bored of it. Of doing my weird. I'm enthralled. I'm 38, almost 39. <laughs> I'm enthralled with this Macho Man. Yeah. Charles, voice it's real doing. nice to hear you say that, but I'm just going to save it for Mean Gene <laughs> when he gives me another and shot. And it will become of part of your family's lore too. Like we have that in my family. Uh, we had uh, some friends that you know they had high school age kids, and we were all like young, young, young. I was, you know, whatever, two, three, whatever, and. Uh, Kirk Adolin and I would wrestle and my, my signature move was the diaper drop. I mean, he's, you know, he's like a fucking high school football player, middle linebacker type. And I'm just this little, I mean, I was six, two at two years old, but, uh, so I would just like stand over him and drop onto his chest and he would, you know, do the big giant flail. And I thought it was the funniest and greatest thing. But there was one time, you know, the adults are in the living room and they're talking and I come in and I'm just inconsolable, just crying. Like, like everything went wrong in, in, in my life. And finally, like through the the snotty tears, I can like my parents are like, well, what happened? Like, what? Like, are you injured? And I was like, nah. Kirk won't let me bite him. <laughs> so I was clearly a heel. I was a heel in my <laughs> heel, formative uh, wrestling days. Was I was just gonna bite this sniveling dude. heel? Yeah, yeah. You're exactly. fucking crying. Yeah, you exactly. Bite somebody. Yeah. Then, then grandma gimmick. took away your bag of powdered salt so you <laughs> yeah, couldn't throw exactly. it in <laughs> Somehow I knocked out the ref. All right. Well, you could Mr. Fujium, Yokozuna style. Yeah, there it is. All right. Uh, let's put them up again. Oh, God. All right, gents. Peanut. Yes. No, screwball. Delicious. Ooh. All right. Now, uh, Dan, you and I have known each other for some years. Yes. And sure. I do want to ask you this question, but I also have to admit. This question is because we have two brothers on the podcast for the first time, and I really wanted to ask it. Um, for both of you, I'm, a, I'm just going to say when you were younger, and that can be in your 20s, that could be in your teens, that can be when you were a little kid. When you were younger, what crazy shit did you pull off and actually get away with and never got in trouble for? There has to be something that like, your parents never found out about where you were like sweating for a while and then you're like oh no they're never gonna find out uh for me one of the big ones was like thinking i was slick and being able to do like (laughs) think thinking i got away with something and then learning i did not was really funny for me like as i grow into my adult years i used to sneak out a ton that was my big thing Mm -hmm. was you know i i had like an egress window i just popped out and was wandering around the streets and sometimes going over to girls' houses and things like that, or, you know, just, honest to God, just wandering around trying to, like, figure things out uh, as a middle schooler or whatever. And then probably two years into me doing that, my dad was like, hey, I saw you walking around the other day. Like, maybe maybe be a little little bit cooler about this because your mom's not going to be thrilled if she finds out about this. I was coming back from the grocery store. He saw 10-year-old Dan Herman Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, I was like... Well, he was 6'11 when he was 19. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, I was like, you know, this is like 14, 15, and my dad was like, maybe maybe get off of the major roads, like stick to the minor ones. I also was like, oh... Yeah, I'm not that good at this. <laughs> first time, man. You caught me on the dad. You're slick. Yeah, you caught me hey, on the first time. Hey, yeah, no, it was amazing. Like, I don't know. I, 
I wasn't fucking up too much, so my parents kind of gave me a little bit of leeway on that. So that, that's the major one that comes to mind right off the bat. Maybe something will come to me later. Sure. I have way too many to even speak of. Like, JP and I Hold on. didn't live parallel Hold on, Charles. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I already know, it, like, I already know. know what he's going to say. I was giggling and laughing and looking at Charles and pointing at him when okay. you asked his question. I know. Because it isn't what I got away with. It's what he got away with. And that's- Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Charles, Charles power bombed me. Literally, oh, power shit. bombed me onto. Well, I'm gonna say it. Okay. He power bombed me and knocked me out when we were kids. We were children. Like I was seven and he was ten. I thought this was gonna come up in the last thing we were talking about. Well, it but... might come up then too. Okay. He power bombed me on the, on the kitchen floor and knocked me out. And he he. He went into the living room and grabbed a blanket and put the blanket over me. And when my mother walked into the kitchen to ask what the fuck was going on, he told her that I was tired and took a nap in the kitchen. When in fact I was knocked out. Yeah, that is a true story. That's the that best older brother shit ever. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. Well, yeah, that's the, okay. That's stuff like that's his hijinks from when we were children. What I was gonna say, and I thought it, I thought this well, was a story wait, wait, you bring wait, up. Just to finish this off, so when when you came to, uh, there was no narking on the older Not brother. At all. So so you mom barely knew where I was. Yeah, mom you didn't remember me for weeks. <laughs> what happened? I, I didn't even like, know my name. Oh, I was like, great. what a weird place to take a nap, JP. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we used to do. Yeah, we used to. We we loved wrestling, and we grew up around wrestling, and so we did a lot of like wrestling and roughhousing as kids. And then we did backyard wrestling, which was awesome too, because like he and his buddy would re- be recording some backyard wrestling, and then I'd grab my boombox and play static static X push it, and I just run into the garage and just beat them both up. <laughs> it was like a run in on pro wrestling, you know? <laughs> like, hey, it, no, it so was no, part no. of it. See, he here's just running. We knew he was coming. Well, yeah, sometimes I wasn't home, though. Well, half the time I wasn't home, I'd be like, oh, they're wrestling in the garage. I'm going to go out there with the boombox. So the thing that I thought you were going to bring up was, so JP used to, when he started partying, he'd party with me because I was the big, the rabble rouser. I was the big troublemaker. So he'd party with me. He knows, this is a story. I told Kwame earlier, I bet this comes up. So and it's it'll it's tied into like me getting away with shit, too, because I'm not going to get too seedy because it could get very dark. Mm -hmm. But... When cops would show up to parties and I was underage, I'd take my wallet and I'd throw it behind like a mini fridge or a bookshelf and they'd say, where's your wallet? And I'd say, oh shit, it got stolen earlier today, officer. And they'd be like, what's your name? My name is uh, Anthony Awad, my older brother. How, what's your date of birth? Uh, 4-28-79. Oh, you're 21. Did you buy these people beer? Did you buy these young kids beer? No, my wallet got stolen. How could I possibly buy them beer? All right, carry on. Have a good night. And they'd let me leave. So one night, JP was partying with me. This is early, very early in his partying career. He was underage. Yes. He was at a house party with me. Cops showed up. I pulled the old throw my wallet behind a dryer trick. But I had my little brother with me who was Young. very little. He was not going to pass for 21. I'm still not that big. <laughs> you, could, you could tell the rest if you want. He put me into the, uh, into the dryer. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I, I looked there, at man. after I threw my wallet. After <laughs> I threw my wallet as a ninth as a ninth even. grader, I was a little 14, 15 year old kid. I weighed like one hundred and ten pounds. But wait, maybe that's pounds. maybe that's why you look so young and svelte because you just put it on wrinkle release and just let oh, it go. Yeah. And here you are. Yeah. No. yeah, I threw his ass in the dryer and then I waited for them to talk to me and I gave him the spiel, and that's then amazing. I waited till the door locked and then I pulled his ass out of there. 
and they had sprayed the tire of his, what was the car you had? You had the red uh, Toyota. Toyota Celica. Yeah, the Celica, and I ended up driving us home because the tire was sprayed, and I was fine at the time, and I was like, there's no way my little brother's driving this car home, and then I took us home, but it was like, I remember <laughs> throwing the wallet back there and being like, oh. be? and he was like, what? <laughs> Get in there, oh, motherfucker! I, I, I was freaked. I was freaked out because that was one of my first house parties I'd ever been to. Yeah, sure. I don't know I think what the, was going on. It's probably the first one you came with me to, and okay. then that happened, and I'm like, "Here you go, man. You got your legs wet." <laughs> so th- this reminds me of or one dried, as it were, with uh, with my brother. So shout out to my brother Mike uh, because sometimes he just like, you know, my family has a little bit of a mas- mafioso element. Like we don't talk about it after the fact. So I did the I tried to trick like prank him one time where you put the rubber band around the sprayer on your kitchen sink. <laughs> so I thought my brother was gonna go use the sink, so I did that, and then my mom used it first. So she got sprayed, and there's this puddle in the kitchen, and my mom's like, you know, wet from this, and she yells at my brother, and my brother just takes it and then like finds me afterwards and then brings me into the kitchen, makes me stand in the puddle. He's like, I did this for you. And then, like, leaves. I was like, all right. All okay. right, I get it. I'll Thanks, Mike. That's my shit. Nice, one for the team. Took one for the team. I was awful. I was an only child. So I couldn't get away with anything in my house. Like, everything that happened in the house, it was always going to be my fault. So everything that I had to do involved, like, sneaking out or, you know, doing whatever. <clears throat> and... Um, I did, I did, I, I, I smoke bombed a guy's car who threatened me with a, a bat. Like there was, there was some dumb vandalism shit, but the one that, that I thought about when, when I was thinking about this question was, um, my very first crush, like my, the first time that I felt like when your heart is in a vice and there's nothing you can do when she's around, uh, we were in, in six going into seventh grade and she lived, I'd love one. She'd lived, um, about a mile away from me. And I was like, I could totally sneak out. I could totally go. Like, I can't, I can't have her at my house, but I could get to her house. So we worked it out. You know, like, boy, girl sleepover. We're totally going to, like, make out. And we had decided that we were, I was going to sneak out. I was going to go to her house. And you could climb up, like, lattice work to get to her. Like, Dawson's Creek shit, right? <laughs> and, uh. And I get there, and we were talking about, like, what, what movie we should watch. And she's like, let's watch a scary movie, because then, you know, like, we'll want to cuddle more. And we watched Hellraiser 2. And Hellraiser uh-huh. 2, not overall, like, scary as far as, like, the plot, but for a kid in sixth going into seventh grade, that was some straight up, like, this is what hell looks like. And some of the goriest, weirdest shit either one of us had ever seen. Yeah, Clive Barker, baby. <laughs> so... <laughs> Super dark. Pin face. I love pin what we're talking head, about. We're talking about pin, pin, pin head. Face. Here we go. Uh, so, pin head. <laughs> Open the box. Uh, but the problem was, we both got so creeped out by the fucking movie, we ended up just sitting on her bed holding hands and being like, what do we do? And so we just sat there till the sun came up. And as soon as the sun cracked the horizon, I just hopped out her there window again. And I, I literally ran the entire way home. Yeah. I, I was sprinting for almost a mile. And even as a kid, still chubby, sweating lots, snuck into my house maybe 45 minutes tops before my mom woke up. And then I had to like fight through it the entire day. 
not just being completely exhausted and only having 45 minutes of sleep, but also having looked into the darkness of what I thought actual hell was. And that <laughs> pin, this is a documentary. And that Pinhead <laughs> might be coming for me at any moment. Oh so, so it was all of the joy of like the whole way there was like, this is so great. Oh my God, we might make out. And then the minute we started watching that movie... Everything stopped. Nothing good was going to come. Yeah. We held each other to make sure neither of us would die and get dragged to hell until daylight <laughs> came. And then I ran home. And it was almost like I felt like I had punished myself. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, so, like I earned that one. So mine was that was uh, uh, this woman, this now woman, then girl right. in my same grade, good friend of mine. Sonia lived two doors down from me. So she'd always be like, hey, you coming over? First boob I ever touched. It was great. Everything was wonderful. I was, you know, 14, 13 kind of time frame. And uh, so – she had a, a ground floor room, so that was super easy for me to like walk from my house, go down two doors, climb in through the window, got all touch touch boob, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was awesome. But then like touch she boob. was like, "Oh, uh, you should come to my family seder," and so like sitting there with like the guilt and shame that thirteen year old <laughs> like like physical interaction carries with her dad being like, "So what do you do?" And I was like. Touch your daughter's Yeah, boot. I'm 13. I don't do anything. I mean, I, I take really long showers, and, and that's the I, thing I yeah, do. Yeah, I pretty yeah. much just jerk off at any <laughs> I, moment yeah. that no yeah. one's looking. And I love Voltron. That's literally yeah. it. It's, it's, it's mine, and I can wash it for as long as I would like to. What did that play? Is uh, that what we were doing today? No, so I was... We're going to get I, sued by whoever that guy is. Because I was doing something different. What guy? What are you talking about? The song. So what I have been doing... I didn't want to no take way. the time. No. Is... <laughs> so what I was doing is I was stopping it at one second left and I was playing a different sound bite because I didn't want to take the time to, to switch it out because I realized Timer. I hadn't done that. And then I was like, I wonder what sound is still linked up and I forgot it was that one. So oh, man. Either right. way. We're getting sued by that guy. Whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Mr. Worldwide. Uh, so We're famous now. Let's put Come one on. up again and uh, I get to go back to back here. So cheers. Yeah, you do. JP? Oh, yeah. yeah, you do. I'm glad that was. I'm glad that ended up being relatively uh, innocent. Gentlemen, <laughs> well, it, it could have gone a lot worse. That's the worst we just thing weren't I've sure about statute of limitations, we're, so we'll leave it. Before, yeah, we're not talking about my ASU days. That's, that's <laughs> before Dan and JP came in the room. Kwame and I kind of had a, you know, we looked at each other. We had to come to Cthulhu yeah. talk. We were what like, can we talk about? How, how do we really want to put this on the record? Do we want to? <laughs> so yeah, no. So putting JP in the dryer is the worst thing I ever did. Uh, for sure. Oh, here. Uh, all right, so. I wanted to bring it back to beer, obviously, uh, coming up on a one-year anniversary for this brewery, making incredible beer, being recognized by the community for making incredible beer, turning the clock back. Do you remember what your first beer was, where it was, and did you like it? And then the follow-up question would be, if not, or even if it wasn't the best, when was the first time that you fell in love with a beer? So, uh, I didn't drink in high school i was lame like that or i don't know however we want to call it i'm, I'm happy with who i am or healthy so I, I yeah, yeah I, I didn't i didn't stress that we weren't a partying crew in high school um so college was really kind of it and so asu was all sexy bud, bud light stuff so that was it but uh, this is actually one of my favorite like bartending questions or questions for people in beer is you know what was your path to craft beer mm -hmm. because as much as everybody wants to deny it we all started drinking shitty beer mm -hmm. right we all started with a Bud Light or a Miller or whatever it is, and I'm not necessarily saying those things are shitty. Hams is one of my favorite beers of all time, so there's a place for quote-unquote shitty macro stuff. Time out. 
What am I drinking? Uh, it's a mystery beer, probably L-Bombs. L-Bombs. If, it ta- if it tastes like coconut, it's L-Bombs. If it, yeah. if it doesn't, then yeah, then it's verbal. So that's L-Bombs. That is fantastic, and yeah. that is an absolutely gorgeous beer. I just poured it into a pint, and it, I just wanted to give it credit. Yeah, while because we were doing that. Get out of Thank the you. Camera. Cheers. We these nice uh, so, um, so first beer I had, Bud Light. It was whatever. I was at a house party in college. It was fine. Nothing, nothing too great or terrible about it, but um, to, to pivot – the like how did you get to that beer one of my things is I, I like to talk about the path right so you go bud light and then um from there i went to you know the new castles the the blue moons all that kind of stuff into um sam adams boston lager which i still think is a really good beer that's my airport beer you know you get to the airport i have a, a sam adams you and know I, you can find it yeah and uh and a shot of whiskey that's and i'm not even afraid of flying that's just like all right, I am now going into vacation mode. Mm-hmm. So that is my get on the plane thing. And then from there, it was Sierra Nevada, which just really opened the world up. All of a sudden, you're really into hops in that moment, you know, to, to two-hearted. And then from there, it was game over, you mm-hmm. know, stone, all that kind of stuff. So so that was my path into craft beer um, where I really kind of caught the bug and fell in love with with what all is available here as far as flavors go. Um, so that that's my path to that. That's and and awesome. that's the original, you know, Bud Light. Bud Light was Dude, I don't thing. know what you're talking about, bro, man. I was drinking whales right off the bat, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, get fucked, man. I'm just kidding. Um, I, uh, He's sitting in the dryer drinking a darkness. <laughs> yeah. Don't turn that it on, That did not bro. exist back then. It this was, was real dark in there, so. This was, <laughs> was 20 born. years ago. Yeah. So, no. Um, honestly, um, so uh, Charles and I had a father that worked in, uh, in distribution. He worked for, prior to J.J. Taylor... It was Eastside Beverage in Arden Hills, and mm-hmm. our father worked there, and he and he retired from there. And uh, prior to like all the OSHA standards and you know all those things, I mean, like Tony Charles and I, our oldest brother Tony Charles and I, um, used to ride on the forks of a forklift, mm-hmm. and our dad would drive us around the warehouse. And I mean, it, those are some of the fondest memories that we have of our dad. I mean, we had a lot of fun there, um, and. Uh, our dad would always bring home the newest thing, whether it's Red Dog or some new, you know, a Japanese beer or something. And that was one of the things I remember most as a, as a kid. It would be like, you can have a little sip of this new Japanese beer or, the, or Red Dog or, you know what I mean, or Blue Wolf or whatever the newest thing was that came out. Yeah. And uh, so th- for me, those are my, like, fondest memories of, like, trying beer for the first time. And obviously, it's like having coffee as a kid. You're like, oh, yeah. this is disgusting. I don't want this. Why'd you give me that? It's fucking gross. You know, like, give me Gushers and, you know, like... What like a Mondo, like, you know, little, oh, like, yeah. you know, like shit like that. And, uh, I would say like one of the first full beers I ever had, I was 14. It was a house party at our house and, Char- uh, and I don't know if Charles even bought this for us or where we got it from, but I drank a couple of like Budweiser tall boys, you know, like that was what I started on. And that was where yeah, that was the, that was the first night you ever got drunk. Cause you guys were drinking Canadian whiskey in your room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from there, it kind of, it, it's funny, Canadian actually. Like, club or something? It, it's <laughs> really weird because yeah. Dan and I have never talked about our, like, path on drinking beer and, you know, how it uh, evolved over time. But the weirdest thing, it's almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I started on, you know, just one of the American Pilsners or American Lagers and slowly but surely worked my way up. And, uh, you know, Sierra Nevada, I think for me where I really, uh, you know, torp- Sierra Nevada Torpedo was a big one for me. Um, and you know, Sierra Nevada Narwhal was a big one too. You can tell these guys you drank cool beer because of me. Well, yeah. I mean, Charles is three years older than me, 
and a lot of uh, and a lot of what I did growing up, I just mirrored what Charles did, yeah. and I did it better well, like, it because like I had an, group, I had an old I had an older brother that essentially showed me the way. And I'm not telling Charles this because I'm trying to like one up him, but like he taught me how to do the things that I did, and so I would I excelled at a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that I did. Uh, not talking about beer, I'm talking about other things I did in life. And uh, I love my brother, man. He's like I, I still look up to him now. He's like. Taller making than this you. weird face of me right now, <laughs> but like I still look up to Charles to this day. You know, like I there there's just so so many things that I would look at that he, that he did and say like I want to do it like him and better if I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like growing up with beer, Charles and I still go on beer trips to this day together because we both have the same appreciation for beer. Um, but I, I I'm trying to think of what the the one beer was <sighs> that got me going on craft that really really made me say like. I love this and I want to have a career in it. But there were so many different breweries that made so many great beers. I don't know that I can really point to one that, you know, kind of set me on this trajectory that I'm on right now. I can't even think of what that would be. Because, like, really, what I I I think of in terms of, like, your maturation with drinking beer. And mine's uninteresting because I've always been curious about trying things I've never had before in the culinary sphere, which includes beverages. And so I was very quick to... Whenever I could find new beers, I, I drink Head Splitter, fucking terrible stuff. We get it old as hell sitting on shelves. So I was whatever I could find on a shelf that I hadn't had before, in terms of beer, wine, spirits, doesn't matter. Like I always wanted to try things I've never had, and I'm still that way. So I started drinking unusual beers before my friends, and at the time they thought I was weird for it because we used to drink Nick Old Light, yeah, uh, you know, Red Dog, um, just Landmark, Miller Light, whatever, just. Garbage beer, Milwaukee's cheap beer, best. cheap beer, cheap beer and booze. Man, when I was a, when I was a, a young and I would drink a bottle of Jack every night and then I would start drinking beers and it would be like Nick Golden Light or something. I was just like heavily drinking and it, it didn't matter what it was as long as it got you where you were going. But my path to drinking good beer was just that like new beers hit shelves and then when things were good, I kept drinking them. So I, I remember like I used to live by Mazelax in my early 20s and you could get Shells Dark or – Guinness in pitchers on wing night for six fifty a pitcher, mm-hmm. and I would, we talked about this on the podcast already. So I would order those because I'm like, that's good ass beer. Why is it six fifty? That or Miller Lite? Are you fucking kidding? So I'd always drink those beers, and at parties, like I'd start bringing around stuff like you know Furious, or you know a couple years later like Buffalo Sweat, things like that. And my friends would be like, oh, what? What is that? That's very unusual. So like that's that wouldn't be a, that would be a disingenuous answer for me to say like. I know this exact path I went on. I think probably JP is on a similar trajectory where it's yep. just like we, we found ourselves there and there was no like good reasoning for it. It just happened incrementally. Like for me, the, you know, remembering the first beer you had when I was literally nine years old and our dad worked at um, Eastside Beverage, our floor was like so covered in beers from air quotes. I'm doing air quotes breakage because <laughs> they'd bump a, they, you know, this was the thing the boys would do. They'd bump a forklift into a pillar and go breakage. Of course. And they'd fill the cooler and they'd fill up the vans and they'd take their take whatever they wanted home. So we had so much beer and so much booze in our basement. My dad drank MGD and he drank Christian Brothers brandy. And I went down in the basement when I was nine and I cracked an MGD because I was like, "What's the big deal?" Because I take sips of his brandy on the rocks when he would play poker with his friends. When I was, I don't even remember how young I was. I might have been like seven. I'd like sneak up for, to the table. For pennies? Could barely reach up. Yeah, they throw pennies under the table. So there was MGD down there. I took one. I cracked it. I drank most of it. 
I remember waking up and it was like my shoulder was wet and the cat was next to me like, what are you doing, dude? So <laughs> Think about your first, life. That was my first experience like drinking beer. And I remember like I actually thought it was pretty tasty for a child. Very shortly thereafter, I drank an old ass Guinness that had been in the door of the fridge for months. And I remember thinking it was so bitter, so bitter. And I, I squirted uh, yellow mustard into it. And I swirled it up because it was a ninja. Wait, it was a ninja wait. potion. It was a ninja okay, potion. Right, it was a ninja right. turtle, dude. And I like drank half of it with yellow mustard. Charles was Leonardo of the Ninja Turtles. I, I get it. I just right. and I was dating Kelly Capone. Like if you're looking at all of the, if you're looking at all the semi-liquid things, how is yellow mustard the one that you were like maple syrup? Nope. Honey? Nope. Kool-Aid? Nope. Mustard? It. Look, I didn't have a Randall Jr. at the time. Okay. No, I was just, it was a ninja just did potion. That mustard beer, right? It was a ninja potion. Yeah, someone just did. Oh, yeah. Okay. You just oh. Branches. So you, you were, I am ahead of the curve yeah, on were, all what, these you were trends. 20 years ahead of the curve. <laughs> oh, my God. 30. 30 what? years ahead 30. of the curve. You're almost 30. Yeah. Okay, here we go. He switched it. That's what I was doing after drinking that MGD in the basement on the concrete floor by myself. So I'm glad that you brought the Guinness thing up, though, because that was yeah. mine. Uh, was it I your went, first beer? It was my first beer. Okay. Uh, I went on Age? a Boundary Waters trip with my former stepdad. Okay. And uh, the last, everything was, honestly, the whole trip was great, except the last day. The last day was when it went from, like, upper 70s to 90 degrees full humidity and all the horse flies were out. So by the time Oof. I, by the time we got off our last, like basically our last lake coming back to the, the car, um, I had blood down both my arms, down my back. Oh. I mean, it was, it was gnarly. And we had thought that we left a gallon of water in the car for us to have when we got back. And what I realized when we had gotten back to the car was that we had both taken swigs out of it, and neither one of us remembered putting it back in the car. So it had been on the hood, and somebody just went by and grabbed it. So he opened up his car, and <clears throat> in the trunk, there was one pub can of Guinness left. Really? And it was 91 degrees outside. Wait, sorry, and how old were you? I was four, 13 or 14. Okay. And uh, he looked at me, and he just said, I don't, I don't even care what your mother says. Like, we, we need to drink something. So... He said, drink it until you don't want it anymore, and I'll finish it. So I took 91-degree Guinness to the Dome for my very first beer experience. And honestly, just having something wet was good enough for me to be like, this isn't horrible. But, oh, my God. I was like, this is what the fuck you choose to drink? This is so gross. Yeah. Like, ugh. And that got me off of beer for literally probably three years. And then... I came back around, uh, obviously we're in college, and it was, like, at uh, high school parties, I was always mixed drink guy. So college, uh, Ice House was a thing, but Ice House in a keg that's surrounded by ice, tolerable-ish? Yeah. It's cold enough it. that you can't taste it. You can admit that you loved it. No. I, Landmark I, was the shit. They I, would, I would smoke, this is what I would do, I would smoke a cigarette, so I would inhale a cigarette, and then I would sip the ice house and then i would blow it? out the cigarette i had that no, was i didn't have any problem with ice house oh i hated it it's still to this day it tastes sour to me like really? i i i hated it and i don't know whatever you still drink ice house uh i have i have had it twice I know, they still made it just to make sure it's a thing breakfast do they still make it do they still make ice i house mean th this was in my 20s and okay. i have no idea yeah, yeah. 
Um, but then it was, uh, uh, I went to, I, I lived in Norway for a year. When I came back, uh, they, they, for some reason, didn't have any airplane bottles. They only had wine and beer. And James Page Amber Ale was what they had for beer. And um, I don't know if it just tasted like I was finally coming home to the U.S. or whatever. But at 20, they never ID'd me, by the way, which was amazing. Awesome. Uh, so I just drank James Page Amber Ale the whole flight home. And then uh, my connection flight was, I think, in Chicago. And uh, I ended up still 20 years old in the um, ESPN bar in O'Hare. Yeah. And uh, a group of business guys from Oklahoma like looked over and they're like, Son, are you lost? And I'm like, no, I haven't seen American sports in a year. And I haven't heard a bunch of people speaking English at the same time in a year. And I'm just a little bit like emotional. They're like, oh, hell, son, come on over here. <laughs> and they were just ordering pitchers of just straight Budweiser. And I had never had just a Budweiser. Yeah. And it was delicious. It was crisp. It was a little bit sweet. And oh, my God. It was free. <laughs> that was the biggest it's a lot thing. Yeah, I had a similar thing where I came back from Ireland. My uh, aunt, who uh, my brother twice convinced me I was adopted from, which was kind of funny. Uh, so he, he's not all good. I love you, Mike. But sorry, he, he, he got some of that. We but, got our title. Am I adopted? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, Ireland does not have the craft beer scene. We actually found like one or two craft. We only did the Southwest sure. uh, part, you know, Dingle and, and Court and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I got back and I was just like, I need to get punched in the face with hops. Yep. Like I'm tired of drinking Bulmers and I'm tired of drinking Budweiser and Cronenberg and all that kind of stuff. So I got back. I went to Tilia where I was working at that, in that moment. And um, Avery Maharaja. Oh, it's so good. Over the course of a week, oh. I had lost my entire lupulin shift, and it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, and at the you. same time, I was just like, and this is delicious. So yeah. I had like three pints of it and then made my wife come pick me up. Um, I, if we're talking about the origins of craft beer, I, 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 I do have to admit, as uh, the Metro Market Manager for Surly Brewing, um, I do have to admit that I was there the first time that they poured beer for the public. And uh, all of us uh, who were working at Max Industrial at the time uh, all agreed 100% Minnesotans will never, ever drink Furious and Bender will be the next huge beer out of Minnesota. And it's never lost on me 15 yeah. years later that that was exactly what we thought would happen. And wow, were we wrong? Yeah, we, we talk about that here. That's part of kind of our ethos on this is like, let the market tell you what you want for yep. that reason, you know? Specifically, we, we do mention that, that that they thought that Bender was going to be the big mm -hmm. the big one of it, and then Furious ended up being it. So, you know, L-Bombs, which you guys are drinking, was going to be a one-off Valentine thing, and it's one of our most well-received beers. And I will say it is absolutely delicious. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate Believe that. So, me, I, I, remem I remember when Furious came out, Charles and I were like, this is fucking great, man. Like, I, I'll drink this shit all day, but I can see how people wouldn't appreciate it. And there was, there was this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, there was this, uh, I guess, like almost like learning curve mm -hmm. for people to to realize, like, hey, you go from some EPA to this next big thing, and Jesus Christ, for ten fucking years, you know, Furious became the gold standard for IPAs. It was literally a phase shift. Like yeah, working at working at bars, I just couldn't believe we're we're still not doing Bender. It's yeah. Furious is what I mean. Okay, Done. cool. Hey, right on. Yeah. And then it would just sell, 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 and there you are. 
It's yep. wild. Uh, well, I believe we are up again. Shot o'clock. Oh, here final we go. All right, here we go. Screwball number five. Five? Ten. <laughs> Six. T- tastes like oh, ten. This is the final bell. Oh, okay. Oh. You know, you've had enough when the glass is so sticky. You can't yeah, that is the down. stickiest goddamn thing I've ever had. Wow. Uh, that was a great decision. Uh, well, Charles, you want to you want to take her home? I didn't do anything. <laughs> that was my fault, actually. Yeah, let's do it. So I'm going to throw you guys a screwball. Let's talk about sports ball. Hey. Sports ball. Who's your favorite local athlete of all time? Uh, Before he answers that, clarifying mm. is favorite just in general? Is it favorite because of their accomplishments? You know, is it's it... whatever it means to you, right? Because okay. this is cool. everything about what we do here is uh, particularly your experience, right? So I think one of those like true things that exists is your favorite athlete when you were seven to 10 will be your favorite athlete ever. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in the outfield of game six ninety one at seven years old. So Kirby went up right in front of our family. So I know that there's the latter issues with Kirby Puckett, uh, but you know, seven year old me will forever say that he is, he is the, the all time for me. Um, Kevin Garnett being another one again yes. has minor issues uh, as a, as a, but you know but God damn one it. of those things when God he won damn. when he won the title uh, in Boston it just kind of felt like your favorite ex girlfriend getting married you're like I'm really glad this happened for you I honestly I felt the same way yeah. I te- I teared up a little bit and I was just like tap my heart like I'm happy for you yeah I'm glad you found happiness yeah so I mean th- those are kind of it. Um, I have an odd obsession with Nick Punto, uh, the little <laughs> superhero. I think he was – maybe it was largely like me being a 24, 25, 26-year-old shithead, like being antagonistic towards my friends that hated Nick Punto. Dude, but the OG piranha, he man. Just, Fucking he, right, dude. He just did the thing. i like, why not slide into first base? Fuck it. Let's do this. So, uh, Some Charlie Hustle shit right there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I got an opportunity when I was working at Famous Dave's in Minnetonka when I was in high school – uh, to meet John Randall. And one thing about me is like, I don't really acknowledge celebrity very well. I see John Randall all the time. Yeah. He uh, smokes at my smoke shop. Does he? Yes, He's he a bad motherfucker too. I am just notorious for telling people that they were very good at what they did and then like leaving it. So he came into famous days to pick up some food and I was just like, Hey man, you were awesome at getting the quarterback. And he's like, thank you. I was like, well, I'll be right back with your order. <laughs> well, big gulps, huh? See you later. He's a cool ass dude, though. He, he is. He's even, really nice. He, that that probably he probably took it in stride. Like, thank yep. you, sir. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. So that, I, that's it. When I was in high school, uh, John Randall bought uh, the Mercedes, the 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 Land Rover looking Mercedes, the one that looked like it was about to boxy. go on a safari. Yeah, the boxy yeah. one. <clears throat> and he was so wide, uh, he had to have the console pulled out, and then they put in an extra wide chair, and they actually shifted the steering wheel six inches into the car just so that he could drive it and i got to sit in it one time and to this day i still chase the feeling of sitting in that car because it's the only time that i felt like i was a little too small to be in this car and i will forever be chasing that feeling like the simpsons with the front seat out exactly this is the largest car i could find i mean my size literally john randall turned his mercedes into a canyon arrow yeah is what happened that's dope man when he walks out of tobacco grove Shout out Tobacco Grove and Maple Grove, yeah, best tobacco shop and lounge Phenomenal in the Twin place. Cities. But when he walks out of there with like 
13 boxes high of cigars. It looks like me holding a clamshell <laughs> from a restaurant. And I'm no small guy, but like, dude, it looks like nothing to him. Nothing. Like, he's like holding it down so low. He's just like, all right, see you guys. I got like, thir- I got 130 cigars here. You are number see three in this room, and the only person behind you has previously been in a dryer. So, <laughs> the moon is much That's younger, right. but okay. Fair. I'll take it. That's I'll a badge it. of honor. I'll wear that shit all day. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go number two, and it's because that closely trails what Dan said about the '91 World Series Game Six. Game Seven, dude. When I was a kid, I'll never forget it. My favorite player when I was a kid was Danny Gladden. Oh. Him stomping on the plate. Dan Gladden. Bottom He's of the so tenth. That that walk off win. One zero, dude. Game seven, ten innings, one run in that game. Danny Gladden stomping on the plate and everybody going nuts. Can you think of a more like, iconic? Like for a single run, can you imagine the anticipation for that single? run to occur yeah. like how no, like I volcanic can't. that was and for us minnesotans you know no wonder i love underdogs like danny Ladden. like we we're we we're perpetual underdogs i love rooting for underdogs like my favorite pro wrestler when my first favorite pro wrestler was junkyard dog that motherfucker never won anything like danny gladden is i have to say like i want to say johan santana i want to say kg i want to say randy moss chris carter like there's a lot of great choices we have you can say homegrown products mm-hmm. like Molitor, winfield brock lesnar like, but that's that's the guy, you Ric know. Flair. Like, just that happening. Yeah. Sure. But even though he has never identified as a Minnesotan. Yeah. That's okay. But Danny Gladden stomping on the plate, like, hey, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen that in a long time or you've never seen it, just look up the video on YouTube. It is there. Look up the video. Game seven, ninety one, Twins walk off win. Uh, Danny Gladden stomping on the plate. It will send shivers up your spine, it's the even best. if you weren't alive at the time. It's it's very moving. So this is one of my other bartender questions. And do you guys remember there was a deleted scene from Pulp Fiction where uh, Mia Wallace and um, John Travolta's character are talking about you have, you're either a Beatles person or you're mm-hmm. an Elvis person, yep. which I think as time has gone, more people are decidedly Beatles. But um, I think there's an important Minnesota question of are you a Game 6 or a Game 7 person from 91? That's an important Thing. So I, I'm firmly a Game 6 person, but people will vehemently argue against me on Game 6 versus Game 7. It's Game 7. Game 6 it's, for me. It's the greatest World Series of all time. So yeah, I for sure. I, nope. I, yeah, I wouldn't make that argument. For me, it's Game 7 because, I mean, obviously the pocket homer is mm-hmm. incredible, but the Gladden stomping on the plate. The, and for me, like when you look at in terms of a single knock that in, dude, 10 innings – Game seven against the Braves, incredible Mm -hmm. pitching throughout the entire game. And it came down to, the whole series came down. Maddox and Smoltz. To a single pitch. Three three Hall of Famers, Glavin, Maddox, and Smokes. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Like, so for some, I do like the grind. I love watching a a game where, like a 1-0 game, Game 7 World Series, that's, you never fucking see that. That's unbelievable. But but that's part of it. So for me, it's, but that's a matter of like preference of style. Absolutely. And that's that's what my brother and I talk about Mm -hmm. this with is, you know, there's nothing worse to me than like a an eighth inning no no with both sides. I'm like cool. So this has been just a pitching thing, and he he loves the finesse of it. My brother loves baseball a lot more than I do. I, I'm firmly basketball. Uh, I don't I don't have an appreciation. I, I enjoy baseball as what it is, but I don't like get into it. I'm not counting pitches. I'm not like oh here's the strategy of all of this. But but like game six was just 
this like light up thing. I was there, you know, I was seven. There's, there's that part of it yeah, too. You can't beat that. No. So, so, but I, I do like that. And I like reflecting on what, are you a game six or game seven person? I think is indicative of some personality traits. Two Absolutely. unbelievable matches. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you all touched on it a little bit. Kevin Garnett. This is I'm, JP, by the way. Sorry. I, I literally just did what we talked about. Not doing. I JP. pointed at him and didn't say his name. So hi. JP, Charles, what about going you? A second time. Hi, my name is JP Awad. <laughs> Hello. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, KG, when he won with Boston, when he won the title, you know, anything is possible. I cried. Um, when Randy Moss lost the Super Bowl, I cried. Like, he – I think if, if you think of a lot of players across all the major sports in, in the United States and you look at the people that – you look at the players that deserved it most – Randy is one of those guys across the board that absolutely deserved it. I yeah, think most talented wide receiver to ever play ever. And uh, you look at it, it frustrates me <laughs> to no end. The amount of flack he dealt with mm-hmm. uh, from Joe Buck and other motherfuckers across. He, he deserved flag, but media. sometimes he received it at the wrong time. Exactly. And if we're talking about guys, I mean like Terrell Owens, also one of the most talented wide receivers of all time. But again and again and again, he put himself at the spot mm-hmm. in all the wrong ways. Randy deserved to win a title, a championship, and it didn't happen for him. And when and when they barely lost that championship to the Giants, I cried. I mean, it killed me inside. Like, even though he wasn't a Viking when he went to the Super Bowl, it killed me that he didn't win. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so happy for KG when he won the championship. Like, he absolutely deserved it. I'm so happy he won a championship. But there's so many other guys. I mean, Charles named a bunch of them. Uh, I don't know that I can name anybody. Dan Gladden was the one that came to mind, honestly. Uh, Dan and I. You can pick one arbitrarily because, like, the line is so thin. You know, even saying Danny Gladden is like, we're all big Minnesota sports. I'm going to say, I'm going to say a guy that most people wouldn't say, Malik Seeley. Oh, Oh, fucking right. I still, when people give me shit, when I look the like, like, I look both ways when I'm walking across the one way. And I'll get shit from my friends. Like, why are you looking both ways? And every time I say Malik Seeley. I get teary-eyed when I think about it because Malik Seeley was on his way to being a superstar in the league. And it just fucking kills me that, uh, you know, that he that he lost his, that, you know, that, that he lost the opportunity to, to do what he loved doing. And he was such a good human. It wasn't just that he was a phenomenal player, but that he was a phenomenal human. And that kills me. And, uh. Yeah, so that, that, that hurts me. Every time I think about Malik, it, I, I start tearing up. and yes. so yeah. RP? Let's uh, – <laughs> well, shit, I'll, I'll straight up say it. I, I don't care if this makes it like even weirder and darker. Uh, I was an idiot, and I, I earned a DUI. I, I didn't get one. I, I earned it, and it was I'm, – I'm still embarrassed that I was that stupid. And when I had to do, like, the classes, you know, whatever um, – the person that killed Malik Seeley was the person that spoke in my class. And uh, I didn't realize how emotional it made me until I was sitting in that class and literally like sobbing. And I was the only person who was because everybody else was in like some weird shit. Wow. But uh, yeah, like, like I said, to this day, 2020, I still say it when somebody gives me shit, like, why do you look both ways? Cause you never know who's coming the wrong way and it is what it is. But to lighten it up a little bit more, uh, 
I thought a lot about this question and it's, it's, it's tough because I've spent so long in the bar industry. I've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of amazing athletes. Uh, Kevin Garnett and I, the only interaction we ever had was on a Halloween night where I was dressed as Will Ferrell playing Robert Goulet. And I didn't realize he was walking up behind me. Goulet! And I was, I was wearing an orange turtleneck and a black sport coat. And I had shaved my, my chin strap off and I just had a mustache. And I was telling everybody I had a, a martini glass and I was pouring Miller Lite into it. And I was like, yeah, well, it, uh, it'll keep you going. The kids call it a, Mar- or a, a Miller-tini. Da-da-dee, da-da-doo. And I turned around and Kevin Garnett was standing there. And I said, oh, hey, Mr. Garnett. How are the wolves doing today? And he just shook his head, put his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, fucking white people and just kept walking <laughs> and it was it was brilliant it was fucking amazing so uh, he's your favorite player because of that i loved him for that <laughs> tommy kramer gets love because tommy kramer watched me throw his best friend out of a bar and then said he loved the way that i did it so much that he wanted to have a beer with me amazing that's awesome but my all-time favorite minnesota athlete who is not from minnesota he just happened to play for the twins for a little while was fucking joe nathan Oh yeah, there was a real sweet spot the very first year that what is now Uptown Tav originally was Drink Uptown. Oh yeah, the first year when they opened and then they had their rooftop patio Sunday nights. Justin Morneau and a bunch of the twins would come out, and no one else was up there. It was a bunch of us from the industry that were working Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That was our spot to hang out, and then it was the twins. And it was sort of these two groups that both had, like, a bunch of dudes and some very attractive women hanging out. And eventually, both groups became a thing. And Justin was really sweet, but he was really quiet. Joe Maurer was even worse. Garza was there a lot, but Joe Nathan was fun. Him and I would talk all kinds of shit. And at one point, we were just grabbing around of shots for everybody, and Garza was in the bathroom. So we just did the head count. We bought shots. And he as we were about to take the shots, Garza comes walking up. He's like, yo, what the fuck? Where's my shot? And without even missing a beat, Nathan puts his arm around me and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. You're not tall enough to be a part of this round. Thanks, though. Wait over there and we'll bring you something. And then we all took a shot together. And from then on, I was just like in the crew. And it was like, okay, that I could joke around with him. And that was so fucking weird. Like, I was literally there the night that Justin Morneau met his wife for the first time, and Joe Nathan was just talking to you. He was like, this motherfucker's probably going to get married. <laughs> sure as shit, they got yeah, married. Hey. He was just, he was a guy who happened to be really good at a skill that probably just wanted to be hanging out with friends at a bar. He just happened to have to go pitch every now and then, and forever, that will always be my favorite yeah, dude. Super- one of my favorite Minnesota things like that I had it similar to this drink thing was um, Jim Polad used to come into yeah. Tilia a fair amount. Oh, he loved Tilia. That was his favorite restaurant. And, and, he, and he's, he's a really nice human being. People have opinions about the Polads. He's a, Jim is a very, very nice human being, as evidenced by this story where Tilia has that TV up in the cabinet where we used to watch Twins games a lot. And this guy is sitting at the bar. He's having food. He's having drinks. Jim Polad sitting next to him. This guy is oblivious to the fact that Jim Polad is sitting next to him. And Jim Tomey comes up to bat. <laughs> so there's the shift. And this guy leans over to Jim Polad, <laughs> who owns the fucking team, and is like, hey, man, 
So what they're doing here is called a shift. And they do that because Jim Tomey is a pole hitter. And so he's explaining why this is happening in baseball. And Jim Polad takes it in stride and just goes like, cool, tell me more. Dude, that's the way to be, for sure. You, you that's have like to. beer. But, but yes. like, anybody in that position, would we be surprised if Jim Polad was like, I own the fucking team. What's wrong with you? No, no, we wouldn't. But no. he took it in stride. The more was, you know, the less insulting he, he you He was are. so cool about it. He was just like, cool, tell me more. And the guy's like, yeah, you know, I played baseball in high school. So, like, it's a shift, and you do this because he's a pole hitter. You know, he's not going to statistically hit it to right field. He's, he's going to hit it to left field. And Jim Polad just, like, went through this. And the guy That's awesome. has this Dope. amazing That's story. Do it. He has this amazing story about, like, sitting at Tilia talking about baseball with this other guy where he got to live the glory days. And I have so much respect for Jim Polad yeah. that where I'm just like, fuck yeah, man. Do that shit. That's, That's cool. Awesome. It's like if someone sits at the bar downstairs and talks to you yeah. about, you know, you know, Citra hops. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Hey, I want to order a beer. And they clearly know their shit. And then you start explaining to them like, oh, yeah, L-Bomb's got this coconut profile because of the hops that are in it. It's the yeah. IPA, the 8.3%. And they're like taking it in stride, even though they know their shit. Like, they probably wait for you to finish it and say, well, I've, I've had it before. Yeah, I'll have one. Yeah. But if it's somebody who is like a newcomer, then they may, might take um, umbrage with the fact that their knowledge is being challenged. Yeah. It's probably someone, you know, expert level. The guy's been around baseball literally his entire life. Probably thought, this is actually engaging. I like to hear what this guy has to say. Yeah. And the guy, it sounds like the guy knows a lot about baseball. He's talking about shifts. And, yeah, it was and, cool. You know, I mean, it was just really cool to watch. And and I yeah, tried, no, I that's, to keep that's with super it. cool. All right, let's, uh, let's kind of bring it back down to the runway. Uh, this has been an awesome show. Uh, we're chilling at about an hour and a half, which I actually fucking love because yeah. we got some like deeper Good stories time. and whatnot. But uh, before we have what has been poured out as the last shot to finish the bottle, uh, gentlemen, let Bonus everybody shot. know how do we how do they find you on the the interwebs and the internets? Yeah, so uh, all of our handles on the social meds are uh, Falling Knife BC. Um, so that's a good place to follow us to see what's going on as far as the brewery goes. Um, yeah. Perfect. Uh, anything coming out soon that you want to talk about? Do you want to holler about the uh, the new anniversary party? Go ahead, JP. Uh, yeah. So our uh, anniversary week, obviously, with COVID, um, there are a lot of restrictions and things. Unfortunately, we're not, able, we're not able to have a uh, one-year anniversary party, which is totally fine. During that week, we're going to have some really cool releases. We're going to do a barrel-aged version of our, uh, our barley wine. Uh, it's going to be BA. Uh, old Painless. Old yeah. Painless. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing uh, a really sexy hazy IPA called 365 Days of Incidents. Ooh, yeah, it's, all, it's, all, it's all double IPA. Uh, Southern Hemisphere House. So we got Vic Secret, Nelson Sauvin, oh, and shit. Galaxy in it. That's my jam. Yeah, it's it going to be fun. It was a pretty expensive hot bill, just to be clear. <laughs> so don't be surprised if that one's a little pricey. So follow the website or yeah, social media? Fo- follow social media. All of our social media profiles. Okay. Yes. Yep. And that's, where you, that's the best place to get information from us. Otherwise, come into the tap room. Yeah, shit. Well, I couldn't say a better cheers to that. Come on down to the tap room. It's beautiful. Uh, it's incredibly safe. The outdoors area is gorgeous. Cheers, Guam, I know you want to do a cheers. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I lost a really good friend of mine and, honestly, my first mentor in the cocktail industry. And uh, this one's to Brad Smith. He was an incredible human being. And, honestly, uh, were he here, he would have loved the fuck out of what you guys are doing. And he would have been an incredible guest. So to Brad, thanks for everything that you did, man. Yep. Gas gun. I'm Ben Kwam. This is Charles Awad. This is Libations for Everyone. Find us on all of the socials. And, uh, hey, 
If you're kind enough, please give us a, a, a rating and give us a review. It helps us get to more people. We just want to keep sharing these amazing humans that we're talking to and keep t- uh, having a good time with everybody. So, uh, yes, sir. Charles, thanks for being amazing. Thank you for being incredible. Having drinks and sharing kinks. <laughs> thanks yeah, for having us, guys. We really it. appreciate Ooh, it. Woo, girl. We'll see you guys later, uh, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.